All right, welcome in to episode three of the Sam and Gabby Fantasy Football Show. It's September 15th, Wednesday evening. Uh, We're excited to record, excited to talk about what happened week one, excited to get you ready for week two. Thank you for joining us again. First off, just a couple quick housekeeping tips or notes. I'm your host here, Samuel Bigelow, with my co-host, Gabby Mozipo. Welcome in, Gabby. How's it going, Sam? Pretty great. Pretty great. Excited to be talking fantasy football as usual. But um, we're excited. We have a set episode schedule now. It's coming out Wednesday nights, Thursday mornings, somewhere in that area. So be on the lookout for it. It's gonna, we're going to be more consistent throughout the fantasy football throughout the football season. Um, and then after that, we'll reassess. But that's when we'll be coming out. That's when you should look for us on whatever podcast platform you use. Um, the other thing, we got a new Twitter, just so we can give out some updates. Last week, I had Odell Beckham as one of my starts of the week. That guy was uh, ruled out the next day, so that was kind of a tough, tough start. So we want to be able to give you updates on any news that comes out throughout the week. So that Twitter is under Sam and Gabby, and just it's going to be at SG Fantasy Show. So check us out there, and uh, we'll be providing some updates and information throughout the week. So. Moving on to our first segment here, just some news and notes. First topic, Saquon Barkley. Gabby, I'm a Saquon Barkley owner. A lot of people are Saquon Barkley owners. We're freaking out over here, and we want you to tell us everything's going to be okay. Is it going to be okay? I think it's going to be okay, Sam, eventually. I'm not sure when, though. I don't think it's going to be next week versus Washington. That's for sure with Chase Young and Darren Payne and Montez Sweat and company. I, it, it's not going to be that week. Uh, last week, he was able to only get 11 touches for 27 yards, get us 3.7 fantasy points. Boop, boop. It was brutal. It was really brutal. He is the nucleus of the New York Giants offense, and when he He's not at 100%. That offense looks anemic. And I don't think he's going to be at 100% here for a while. So I think if you're able to sit him, like in my situation, I had Saquon Barkley, and I ended up with the number one waiver wire, as a lot of owners did who owned Saquon Barkley. So I was able to pick up Elijah Mitchell, and I'm going to start Elijah Mitchell over him this week. And if you were able to pick up Tyson Williams – I would start him over Saquon as well this week and see what he does. If Saquon gets more ramped up a little bit more, we see him on the field more percentage of the snaps. I would start in week three with an easier matchup ahead. I personally, if it were me, I, I agree with you for the most part on that. I think if you have a guy that you, you think is better than Saquon, then you should go out there and start him. Um, Personally for me, I'm not starting any Baltimore running backs this week unless I have to. Uh, Latavius Murray, he was on the team last week. He did play. He did get a touchdown, but he wasn't there for the whole week, and he wasn't really up to speed. So I'm thinking Latavius Murray potentially this week has a more increased role. I'm a little nervous about the Baltimore running back situation being a little bit too much of a a committee, but I definitely uh, think if you can find somebody that you are confident in, and if that's a Baltimore running back for you, I don't agree personally, but, you know, 
I don't know everything. Nobody does. So if you, if you have somebody that you feel better about starting than Saquon, I think you should. But I think for a lot of people, the draft capital that you spent on Saquon, um, and you're probably not going to have – there's a lot of people who aren't going to have a great second option. I think a lot of people are going to have to start him. I think you can hope still for a solid week. Your hopes at a big week are definitely diminished, but there's still that slight chance there. Uh, but that's extremely unlikely. I think you're just hoping for something solid. I think you're hoping for 10, 10 15 points. Uh, and I think you'd be happy with that at this point in the season for Saquon. But yeah, there's a good chance he does not get that for you. I would say it's potentially even likely, but it's hard to not play a guy you draft in the first or early second. So uh, the next guy we wanted to talk about, another running back drafted early by a lot of teams, um, especially if you drafted later in the year, closer to the season. James Robinson, five rushes for 25 yards, uh, six targets, three receptions, 29 yards. Less rushes than Carlos Hyde. He had nine attempts for 44 yards. Um, he's uh, unexpected that he'd be getting so much of the, the role. I mean, he did only get two targets and two receptions for 14 yards. So James Robinson still getting three times the passing work as Carlos Hyde, but I'm not feeling good about any Jacksonville running back. And I'm very stressed if I drafted James Robinson high, which I did. Gabby, how are you feeling about this situation? Do you have any insight to add? Yeah, I'm not feeling good about this James Robinson situation whatsoever. A couple of things to note that we seen since the month of May or June. Uh, One was Carlos Hyde. When they brought in Carlos Hyde, people need to remember that that was Urban Meyer's guy at Ohio State. So they have some weird type of loyalty that Urban Meyer feels like he owes him. So he, Carlos Hyde is going to be a part of the offense. With the, and it was showed with those 11 touches here in week one compared to James Robinson's nine. Second, Urban Meyer in Jacksonville doesn't seem to want to give the offense to James Robinson. They came in and decided with their second first round pick to draft Travis Etienne. And I feel like people seem to forget that. James Robinson was coming off one of the best rookie seasons we have seen in quite a while. And they decided, the worst team in football decided to draft another running back, arguably their best position. Yeah, some would call it absurd. I would call it absurd. (laughs) But from a fantasy perspective, we got to take a look at that and say, if the coaching perspective, if the coaching staff isn't going to trust James Robinson, it makes it really hard for a fantasy owner and a fantasy manager to trust James Robinson on a weekly basis. No, yeah, I I agree. I I got beef with Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars organization as a whole. Like, how could you do that to James Robinson? He was awesome last year. He, he didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve Travis Etienne being brought in, who, yes, is probably significantly better. But James Robinson was good. And like you said, they had so many other holes to fill. Um, when Etienne was brought in, I was confident that James Robinson's role was going to be not anything you're really looking for for fantasy and not worthy of even a roster in, redraft, in most redraft leagues. Uh, but after ETN went down, I was, I had to think that Urban Meyer was going to be smart and play the better of the two running backs more, but it seems that might not be the case. Um, I definitely think that Carlos Hyde is the worst of the two guys and he got 
significantly more carries. So I don't know what to think about that situation, but at least we can hold out hope that that situation can be turned on its head when Urban Meyer goes to USC, right, Gabby? <laughs> Uh, Urban Meyer came out today and said he's not going to do that, so <laughs> I, I don't think kidding. that's going to be a possibility, but watch out for some uh, – that next move is going to be interesting. I'm interested to see who it's going to be, a person named such as Mario Cristobal or um, just some other guys as well. I hope they go out big fishing because that would be big for the Pac-12. <laughs> that would be – we are Pacific Coast uh, – Pacific Coast guys, so yeah, we are hoping for good things for the Pac-12, but I don't think Urban Meyer is leaving. That was a joke, but next year. Uh, <laughs> I don't anyway. think it'll be my choice when he does leave. Oh, I, 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 I don't know. We'll see. I don't think they're going to force him out too early. I think he's just going to leave this year, but we're, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, on to fantasy. On to fantasy. Uh, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz gets a hamstring injury. During the game against Atlanta this week, he did return after he did leave the game. Uh, but this this week he hasn't been practicing. It's Wednesday now, as I mentioned, if he didn't practice today, still hasn't practiced. Uh, I got to say that I think it's Dallas Goddard's time. I think Dallas Goddard is the better of the two tight ends for me personally. I think it's clear. Um, and I think with him getting the bulk of the practice reps this week, because, of course, uh, Ertz isn't even there. Um, I think he's going to be involved heavily in the game plan. Um, I don't know if this week is the week he necessarily breaks out. I I would have, I think highly of the San Francisco defense. So I don't know if this week is the week he breaks out, but I think he's a, a low end starter at tight end uh, just because he's going to get the volume in my opinion. And so I, I definitely think Dallas Goddard is going to take over that role. And I think this is potentially the beginning of that. Uh, Gabby, did you have any insight to add on that? Yeah, I did. So when Dallas Garter um, played last year with Zach Ertz, he played uh, when he played 100% of the snaps, he was able to do that twice in week 11 and week 12, the two weeks that Zach Ertz, one of the weeks that Zach Ertz was out. And then that, and then those two games, he got 18.7 points and 20.5 points. So when he's the only tight end out there in the Eagles offense, they tend to look for him and – Jalen Hurts last week looked for him a total of five times for, to the tune of four receptions, 42 yards, and a touchdown. So without Zach Ertz, we know that Philadelphia Eagles like to run this power scheme with two tight ends, big boys up front, run the ball, play action, throw it to their wide receivers and their tight ends. But without Zach Ertz, they only got one more tight end. And Dallas Goddard's super talented. I think this is his time to shine. So I've seen him in a lot of my personal leagues. He's owned in about 90% of the leagues, but I seem to be in the leagues of the 10% where he's not owned because in all the leagues I'm in, he's not picked up. So if he's for some reason not picked up in your leagues, you need to go pick that guy up right now. He has uh, tight end one upside. I'd say back end tight end one, but still tight end one upside. And tight ends are very rare position that you can count on. And I think this is a tight end that you can definitely pop into your lineup, lineup on a weekly basis and not really think much about as long as Zach Ertz is out. Yeah. And he might play this week, but I do think this is the potential or Zach Ertz that is, but I do think this is the beginning of a potential Dallas Goddard, um, not a resurgent resurgence, but I think this is a chance for Dallas Goddard to seize that role. Um, and we'll see how it goes, but uh, just to touch on what you mentioned earlier, his consistency, I think that he's a low end, I think he's probably the tight end 10 this week, 
And I think, like I mentioned, it's a tough matchup. So if in a bad matchup, he still is a tight end 10 for me with upside. Um, so I'm definitely high on Dallas Goddard. And if he's not picked up, like you said, definitely get him. Uh, so moving on to the next piece of news, a sad thing here, a guy we all love, Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down. He's out for six to eight weeks. He's on the IR. Um, Taylor Heineke is going to be the starter there. Devastating for the Washington fantasy options. Um, there's a chance that Heineke does hyper-target Terry McLaurin. So, you know, there's always that chance, but I don't know if I think he's talented to be really putting up uh, touchdowns and really big fantasy numbers. So I think that's a downgrade for McLaurin. And then also for the other big fantasy option there, Gibson. Um, I think they'll still lean on him, but I think his touchdown upside is now decreased. Um, and so that's just, you just lowering him a little bit is upside in your rankings and just, I think they'll just be worse as a whole on offense now. And I think that's uh, obviously a downgrade for the Washington, uh, Washington football team fantasy options. Uh, Gabby, what do you think this Fitzpatrick injury means for Washington's fantasy options here? I really don't like Terry McLaurin. Uh, give you a peek behind the curtain. This will be what my fit of the week at wide receiver. Um, over the last five games last year when Terry McLaurin was playing with Taylor Heineke, Alex Smith, and a little bit of Dwayne Haskins, but Dwayne Haskins was already on the bench at this point. He averaged 7.9 fantasy points a game. That's really bad. And we drafted this guy to be a wide receiver one this year. And the whole idea was Ryan Fitzpatrick, the guy who's a gunslinger. He's just going to throw it up to this guy every time. Ryan Fitzpatrick never targeted the tight end. I was low on Logan Thomas coming in because he only targeted Curtis Samuel and not necessarily Curtis Samuel, but wide receivers only. And he was going to throw the ball 30 times a game. But now this guy's out. He hurt his hip. And now we have Taylor Heineke. We got little mobile guy who likes to run around. And he might hyper-target Terry McLaurin, but are they going to be good passes? Like, we got to be – this is still football at the end of the day. Like, he's not necessarily the quarterback I want him to throw into Terry McLaurin, so. No, there's, like, that big – the highlight that's kind of going around from him and Terry McLaurin last week where he, like the, – the defenders just, like, completely missed the ball and they're like, oh, what a play. But they, like, totally could have gotten it. <laughs> but so, <there> we go. <laughs> it's just it's funny um I, I'm really out on the Washington offense except for Antonio Gibson I think they're going to lean on him a lot more we saw that he got a buttload of touches um they're going to be more inefficient on the so they won't get a lot have a lot of touchdown upside but I think they're going to lean on him a lot more so I think if you have him in the league he's a good good hold if you don't have him and you have someone that you're trying to trade, such as maybe a Josh Jacobs or a Saquon Barkley, and you could package him. I think at this point, you would have to package Saquon Barkley for Antonio Gibson. But if I were you, I'd think start thinking about it if I had Saquon Barkley. If I was able to get Antonio Gibson right now, straight up for Saquon, I think I would accept that. And uh, this might be the time to do it, too. I mean, because there might be fantasy managers out there stressing about Antonio Gibson. And uh, I, I do personally think Antonio Gibson's upside is now diminished uh, with Fitzpatrick out, like I said. Um, so I do disagree with you there. Um, but 
I do think he still will outperform his ADP and likely where you drafted him and, or what you paid for him in an auction. So I still think Antonio Gibson is a great, great guy to have on your team. I still think you're excited, but yeah, I do think it's a negative for him, but I'm not, I'm not trading him. If I own Antonio Gibson, I'm not trading him for Saquon Barkley at this point. Um, but you, I, I had a, uh, a couple questions for you, Gabby. You did, did I hear you correct? You think Gibson is better now that Fitzpatrick is out? Yeah, I think they get more opportunities, more touches overall. Interesting, interesting. That yeah, we we disagree there, but that's an interesting point. So you know, for fantasy managers out there, you can go either way. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you, whatever information makes most sense to you, I think that's how you should interpret it. Um, but yeah, I think Logan Thomas, like you mentioned, you said you think his he's going to be worse. I'm not stressing so much about Logan Thomas. Um, I do think he might be a little bit worse, but as as a tight end, I don't think he's necessarily dropping in my rankings of tight ends, um, but I think he might be a safety net potentially for um, Tyler Taylor Heineke. Like you mentioned, Ryan Fitzpatrick, more of a gunslinger, less of Logan Thomas's game, not a deep threat by any means. Um, so I think potentially his value isn't quite as hurt uh, just because I, I don't think he's going out there for the deep passes. That's not really his thing. So um, hopefully – uh, Heineke's able to provide enough targets to him to make him continue to be fantasy relevant. Um, but yeah, also tough just for Fitzpatrick um, in general, just as a person, that's just tough to hear, just tough to see just because he's older, obviously. And he had a, a chance to start here and make something of himself his last, one of his last seasons in the NFL, if not his last. So that's, that's tough to see, but hopefully he comes back in six to eight weeks and balls out. Um, anyways, Next guy here, we got Brandon Ayuk gave you a lovely donut on Sunday. Just what you wanted, right? Uh, no touches, no targets. I'm freaking out if I'm Brandon Ayuk's owner, which I am. I played him. Uh, I played, put him on my team and played against uh, Debo Samuel this week. So that was an, a very tough pill to swallow. But uh, yeah, Brandon Ayuk is sit till further notice. Gabby, do you have anything else to add there? Yeah, you have to see it come through now. I have him in one of my more important leagues. I'm benching him now. Uh, I'd start, guys. Yeah, you just got to bench him. You do. You have to. You just – you can't trust him. I mean, what Kyle Shanahan said, Brandon Ayuk's got to earn it. I think that came out today. Uh, Oh, hold on one second. I I did see that. And that's got to be some of the biggest – bullshit i've ever heard brandon iuke's gotta own it gotta earn it sorry earn what what do you mean earn 17 fantasy points a week over the last like eight weeks last year be the best wide receiver for you last year what do you mean he's gotta earn it he earned it last year by being the best offensive player for you when your team was garbage (laughs) you gotta earn your job sometimes this man oh I was going to save this rant for a little bit, but I think this now is the time. Kyle <laughs> Shanahan, he's the Bill Belichick of fantasy football. You cannot trust this man. Brandon Ayuk, all jokes aside, all he is – anybody with two eyes knows Brandon Ayuk is – A good NFL player. Top three wide receiver on their team. Like – He's got to earn it. Wait, are you trying to tell me? I don't know what he's seeing in practice. I, I would love to be there. Obviously, I don't have the expertise of the Kyle Shanahan. I don't want to act like I do, but 
to act like you drafted the guy number one overall and then him per- perform the way he did in year one and to think he just regressed completely in the offseason, that doesn't that doesn't make sense to a fan. That doesn't make sense to really anybody that watches football unless Brandon Ayuk just decided not to train and not to get better in year two. And I just <laughs> I have a hard time believing that's the case. <laughs> I, I do as well. I mean, it's possible. Maybe Brandon Ayuk just would just listen to Chad Ochocinco too much and just ate McDonald's all off season. I don't know, but I just have, I'm just, are you trying to tell me that you think that Brandon Ayuk is better than Trent Shurfield? Is that what you're trying to tell me right now? Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm just I'm kidding. I'll be the one guy here that, that does say that. Yeah. One guy ever. Yeah, for sure. No, I, uh, for the record, I do think Brandon Ayuk is a more talented uh, receiver than Shurfield. So uh, yeah, I I don't know what's going on there, but Sherfield's a better option in fantasy right now. <laughs> so it's 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 a tough situation if you're a Brandon Ayuk owner. I think <laughs> oh, I do wanted to add something there with the Brandon Ayuk. I think it's an interesting time with him. I do think he's going to be integrated in the offense. I think whatever Kyle Shanahan is saying is kind of bullshit again. So I don't know if you can take whatever he's saying with a grain of salt. He's been known to lie to the media. Like, ever since the pick of Trey Lance, he drafted up to pick three, and we thought he was drafting Mac Jones. We can go back to his days at Washington when he or when he wasn't starting running backs who decided to start when he was an OC, um, on and on. So in that regard, I think Brandon Ayuk's a really good trade target right now for if you're able to withstand a wide receiver just being on your bench. I think he's an interesting option. I think he still has that upside. And I think one week isn't really able um, fair to define somebody. I think we got to give him a couple more weeks. But I think you can be able to lowball Brandon Ayuk right now if you're able to give him a pretty good deal right now. Maybe you'll be able to trade a guy such as one of the Cincinnati wide receivers. Maybe you can offer a – You would do that? You would give up one of the top three Cincinnati wide receivers for Brandon Ayuk right now? Yeah, I'd give up Tyler Boyd for him in a heartbeat. I would do that too. But the other two, not even a, it's not even a question. I would not do that. Uh, not at this point. I don't think Brandon Ayuk is a trade for candidate at all. Uh, personally, I'm freaked out by this game. I am freaked out. Not just because I think that Brandon Ayuk necessarily won't be involved at points throughout the rest of the season. I just think that this might be a sign that you were never going to know when Brandon Ayuk is going to be involved this season. And I think that it might be the more likely outcome um at this point but i mean i am pulling for brandon Ayuk to get more involved uh and he is a talented receiver i don't know what's going on there but i i'm not trying to trade for him i do think tyler boyd is an overrated receiver for fantasy right now great receiver for real life i just think that he is the clear number three option and uh the other two are significantly better than him but i'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm staying away from Brandon Ayuk. I'm not touching that. That's fair. Moving on to our last piece of news and notes. A little bit of uh, props to myself here. I got to say, David Montgomery went over 100 yards rushing versus the Rams. Do you know how many 100-yard rushers the Rams allowed last year? None. 
None. None. David Montgomery, my boy. I told you he was going to be a breakout this year. David Montgomery in a game that they were down significantly. So a game you would think they would not run the ball as much. David Montgomery had 100 yards rushing. David Montgomery is a fantasy start every week at this point, until further notice at least. David Montgomery is an awesome running back to have. Now I'm not going to say he's top 10 yet, but he's top 15, no doubt in my mind. Uh, So on a bad week, he might be top – he's worst top 18. I I still think he's on a bad week, probably top 15 at worst. But David Montgomery, he's got another game where you would think they pass the ball. They're playing Cincinnati this week, but David Montgomery, I think it doesn't matter. I think he's matchup proof. I think they lean on David Montgomery in Chicago because they don't have that talented of a passing game. So David Montgomery, I think is a, he showed out this week. I would say probably if you can go trade for him now, because I, I think it's only going to go up from here. I don't know. Do you disagree with that at all, Gabby? No, I think it's going to improve as soon as Justin Fields get in the running. Chris Collinsworth made a good point on the broadcast on Sunday night. He was talking about how when Justin Fields gets in, the running lanes should be opening up when they start running the read option, just because the defensive is going to have to start respecting the quarterback as a runner. So that's just one more player, one more chess piece, I guess, in the game of football that the defense has to worry about in the run game. So that's going to open up the lanes here for David Montgomery. And he just looked explosive versus the Rams. He looked, he was breaking tackles, running through the offensive line. That's not really all that good. And and he just, well, not, he was out for a little bit with his injury. The offense looked anemic other than when Justin Fields was in, but weirdly enough, Matt Nagy decided to go with the anemic route, which was Andy Dalton in that case. You know, I think a little bit might have been I'm at least I'm hoping for this as a guy who wants to see Justin Fields get in. I am a little bit hoping that he that Matt Nagy just knew uh, that the Rams have a good defense. I think maybe I'm hoping that maybe he was just holding him out, maybe hoping to be able to put him in uh, against Cincinnati a lot worse of a defense. Um, That'd be tough to be a rookie in your first week ever playing against the Rams, who is potentially the best defense in the NFL this year. Uh, I don't think that would be a terrible call to just hold him out for that one game. So we'll see what Matt Nagy does. I'm hoping that Justin Fields gets in soon. Um, And uh, I think against somebody that's not the Rams, he could likely be successful. So, and I totally agree with what you said about a mobile quarterback opening up some rushing lanes uh, for the running backs and improving the running back game. Uh, in in general for their own teams so anyways moving on to our next segment here judging the waiver wire we obviously are coming out with this podcast after your waiver wire is likely run but we wanted to give our take on some of the top waiver wire candidates this week starting with elijah mitchell the running back from san francisco who balled out getting over nine or five yards of carry last week getting over a hundred yards trace sermon the guy that people were drafting as Raheem Mostert's presumed backup. Raheem Mostert, of course, going down with a season-ending injury after, I think, two plays. Uh, People were drafting Trey Sermon as his backup. Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch. Elijah Mitchell, the clear waiver wire pickup number one this week. Um, 
and likely Trey Sermon is owned already in your league. Um, otherwise, he would be one too. Uh, but Elijah Mitchell, if you somehow, if he's still on the waiver wire this week, you got to pick him up. I think he's a start, very likely a great start. Uh, not top 10, in my opinion, borderline top 15, but for sure, top 25, top 20. Uh, I think he's a great start, but there is that chance that he does not actually get the role that we think he will. Trey Sermon will likely be active. Uh, San Francisco also signed the likes of Carrion Johnson, who I had at one point in his career been very high on a guy who just hasn't shown out for it with any sort of ability that has impressed us at all throughout his career um, in Detroit and otherwise. But, you know, there's a chance I did think at one point he was super talented. Uh, they also signed Trenton Cannon. So the San Francisco is just loading up on running backs per usual. Uh, they're going to have players return like uh, Jamichael Hasty uh, is going to be back. So, you know, that backfield could be a complete and utter just shit show. Uh, but who knows? I'm still starting Elijah Mitchell if I have, if I was able to get him and even over players like Saquon Barkley, like we mentioned earlier, but Gabby, what's your take on this whole San Francisco hullabaloo situation? That's just crazy and unclear. Uh, I think Elijah Mitchell is definitely the guy to own right now with Trey Sermon being in the wing. Trey Sermon is going to make, uh, my list later for uh, one of the guys that if he's been dropped in your league, you need to go pick him up right now. I think he's still going to be a factor late in the season. I think it's going to be more apparent now with most are out. Um, a guy to look out for is Jeff, Jeff Wilson. When he comes back from his knee injury, he should be back There's here around. Um, he was on the PUP list right now, so he can't come back till about week seven. But um, as of now, it's just going to be Jamichael Hasty. Um, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell with Carrion Johnson and Trenton, Trenton Cannon currently on the practice squad. So just watch out for um, Elijah Mitchell should definitely take this role on. I think he's going to have the opportunity to take it on like Raheem Mostert did. Raheem Mostert, remember, was a special teams player as well. And then when the injury started, they gave him a chance and he's kind of had the same path as Elijah Mitchell. So if Elijah Mitchell proves that he can have the same game against not the Detroit Lions and maybe against the Philadelphia Eagles who are a little bit better. Uh, I think he'll be able to hold on to the job for a little bit. Trey Sermon's also an interesting situation just because of the healthy scratch that nobody was really seeing until 9 a.m. on Sunday. Yeah. So um, that is just a situation to watch out for. But I still think he has an interesting upside and since San Francisco offensive players seem to be getting hurt left and right, I don't think it's a bad idea to pick him up as well. Yeah, no, I think the one thing you can count on is uh, that there will be some 49ers running backs who get hurt in a season. That's just how it's been the last few years. Seems like it's going to happen all the time. Uh, I did want to say that I do think that there is a chance. Uh, I'm saying just a chance that Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell does take this role over, becomes sort of the James Robinson of last year. Um, I'm like, as in a guy who we did not expect at all becomes a waiver wire pickup that becomes one of the best players in the league. Um, it, I think there's a great chance, not a great chance. I think there is a chance that Elijah Mitchell does that. And the reason that I really think that is partially because he did show that he could do it last week. 
but a re- big reason I think is because he is more Raheem Mostert like than Trey Sermon. Now they did last year in the draft, they did draft Trey Sermon three rounds ahead of Elijah Mitchell. And usually draft capital is a good thing you want to follow when you're looking for who's going to get the opportunity, but didn't happen in this game. And Elijah Mitchell's 40 yard dash is a four, three, eight, whereas Trey Sermon's is a four, five, eight. So significantly slower, um, which isn't everything, you know, Trey Sermon for all we know is maybe a more powerful back, a better runner, a smarter runner, you know, for all we know, but he didn't get the opportunity this week. Elijah Mitchell did. And Raheem Mostert, is known for his speed and that's what Elijah Mitchell's got. So there's a, there's a good chance that Mike or not Mike Kyle Shanahan saw what he saw in Raheem Mostert in Elijah Mitchell. Um, and that's potentially why he brought him out there. Um, but of course he also is a little bit, or is a more of a special teams player than uh, Trey Sermon. So that's an, uh, probably another reason that he was active. Whereas Trey Sermon was not. But, uh, Gabby, did you have anything else to add on this situation? We could talk about this situation forever, but I want to make sure you get any final points you had on that. No, I think you uh, rounded it up perfectly there. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, definitely the guy to add. Trey Sermon right there behind. Jeff Wilson, kind of an add in deeper leagues. And Carrion and Trenton Cannon, I think they're just guys. More of a watch at best. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even need to watch. (laughs) Carry on is good. I swear. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Probably not. But anyways, (laughs) moving on. Uh, A guy you're more excited about than I am. If you're asking me how I feel about him, I'm saying every single catch you got came in overtime. Uh, Brian Edwards. I'm I'm watching him for sure. He's a guy to watch. He's been talked up a ton and uh, he's definitely on people's radar, but I'm not. I'm not rushing to pick up Brian Edwards. I'm probably not picking him up unless I'm in a really deep league. But Gabby, you you feel a little bit differently. Tell me about that. Yeah, I think he's definitely he's proven that he can be your your week two lottery ticket. Um, five targets, four receptions, eighty one yards. Could have been a touchdown, and he's just Raiders are looking for a second option. I think the Ravens. Uh, Darren Waller was able to get 19 targets. And that was because the Ravens weren't really looking to guard him until the fourth quarter. And when they decided decided to realize that Darren Waller is one of the better wide receivers, not give it tight ends, pass catchers in the NFL and give him some respect, that gave, that's when Brian Edwards started to catch up all his passes. So when defenses actually start to play real defense, and respect Darren Waller, that's going to open up for the rest of the people. And Brian Edwards, I think it was pretty clear that he was second in line. He led all wide receivers in snaps over Henry Ruggs, uh, 57 snaps out of the, I think about the 89 or 87 snaps. So 80, oh, 86 snaps, I apologize, 57 out of the 86 snaps. So he was able to be on the field more than Henry Ruggs. And the coaching staff has been buzzing about this guy all offseason. They've been Brian Edwards has been the guy they think could be big time. Not as much Henry Ruggs, and they drafted Henry Ruggs first uh, in the first round compared to Brian Edwards in the third round. And like Sam alluded to earlier, draft capital is usually a way that you want to follow when we're talking about fantasy football. But it doesn't look like in this situation either. Brian Edwards had, is the bigger receiver, not certainly not the faster receiver, but it's definitely the guy that Derek Carr was looking to when Darren Waller was double covered and I think double coverage for Darren Wall is gonna 
keep coming. I don't think that's going to stop Darren Waller at all, but it's definitely going to keep coming. And Derek Carr is going to have to continue throwing that ball to somebody because they're going to be, they're going to be in a lot of shootouts uh, like they were on Monday night. No, I, I completely agree uh, that they will be in a lot of shootouts. Uh, I'm not as high on uh, um, Brian Edwards, but I do think what you said about it being a lottery, a lottery ticket is really true. And a lot of times that's what you're looking for in fantasy. Sometimes you don't necessarily have to be the one who believes in a guy to take a chance on them. You know, if you are just looking at the waiver wire, a lot of times there's guys out there who, yes, will probably get you more points than Brian Edwards, but they're going to get you the same amount at like six, seven, maybe eight points a week consistently, maybe with a couple weeks here and there that they pop off, but you don't need that for fantasy. You don't need that guy who's consistently getting you less than 10 points, but is always getting in the high single digits. That's just not useful for fantasy. Uh, so you sometimes you want to take that shot and maybe he's not the guy you necessarily believe in, but if I see Brian Edwards on the waiver wire, I'm interested. I'm keeping an eye on him. And if I'm in a really deep league, even though I'm not high on the Raiders offense, I still think that they're interesting. I just don't know if any receiver on that team is going to become focused on enough other than Darren Waller is basically a receiver, but I don't think anybody's going to be focused on enough to be really worthy of fantasy value uh, or being started in fantasy at any point. Um, it's possible, but I just don't see it. Darren Waller got 19 targets last, last time they played uh, on Monday. So they just look for him all the time. That's the only guy I'm really, really excited about in the Raiders offense. And other than that, I just don't know if they're really going to game plan for anybody else. Carr talked really highly of Zay Jones as well um, after he got the game winner. And uh, like I, I think I mentioned earlier that Brian Edwards, all of his targets came in overtime. So they, they just weren't looking for him until the very end. So I'm just not excited enough to be rostering him in too many leagues, but you know, sometime I would, I would think about taking the chance, um, especially if you're in a super deep league, because you, you never know. He did, he did, it was on the field the most and that's, that is valuable. He does have that opportunity. So we'll see. But the next guy we wanted to touch on, and he's less of a guy that I would say you'd necessarily need to run out for. But if it's me, I'm picking this guy up for sure, um, especially in some deeper leagues. But Kenny Gainwell running back for the Philadelphia Eagles. Miles Sanders obviously got more work. And Kenny Gainwell might be kind of more of a guy that I – like I mentioned previously where he might, he might end up getting you eight points weekly, but he got nine carries last week for Philadelphia and three targets. And, you know, about that on its face, you're kind of just thinking, Oh, he's just the number two guy, but that's way more carries than I expected. Um, Miles Sanders got 15. So uh, definitely more, but Kenny Gainwell was supposed to be a receiving back. Um, so we know he they expected to use him more, maybe even potentially as a slot guy. So we know he has that receiving talent. So them using him as a runner as well is good news for me. And they used him significantly for a rookie. So he's not that small. He's 200 pounds. 
And I think he'll be continue to be involved. And I think he'll get more involved in the passing game if they're in a game where they're not blowing somebody out. So I just think that you should consider picking up Kenny Gainwell, especially if you need running backs um, or running back depth, because I think his receiving his receiving work is going to go up. And he did get lucky and get a touchdown last week, but I think that you could see him getting around 10, 10 points a week as the number two, which could be useful as a running back depth option. And there, who knows, there's a chance that he gains more work for Miles Sanders. Um, or if there's an injury, he be, would become extremely valuable. But I'm, I'm high on Kenny Gainwell's output from last week, and I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. Yeah, Kenny Gainwell is definitely a running back that you need to look out for. Um, I'm not as high on the Philadelphia running game. I do, unless it revolves around Jalen Hurts. Um, I do really like the passing game uh, with Devonta Smith and company, but Kenny Gainwell, uh, I think is going to be a, an interesting running back to look out for, but I, I think Miles Sanders has that job on lock, and I think that's the guy that they run through. Oh, I, I for sure agree with that. I just think that there's a chance that Kenny Gainwell earns more of the work and it becomes more of a 50-50 role. And I don't think this is a guy that's going to come out and take the starting role, so I don't think you should be really rushing too hard or dropping anybody great for this guy. But I think if you a lot of a lot of teams especially after some of these injuries have no running back depth whatsoever and he's a, a guy that has more upside than i think people might expect and he's also probably going to have a higher floor than people expect and he is young and got more work than we thought so who knows what he will do with it i think he's an interesting guy to look at even though his upside is probably capped uh due to Miles Sanders probably being a better running back than him just in general, but interesting guy. None, nonetheless. Uh, and like I said, in a blowout, you might think, I think maybe when they're uh, down, it might be more of a Kenny Gainwell type of game. So we'll see when that happens, but moving on to our next guy, Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard is a guy I am not high on this week, but is a very, very popular waiver wire pickup. Sterling Shepard does this every single year where he has a good game here and there and everybody rushes out to get him and then he doesn't continue to do it. I'm not rushing out to pick up Sterling Shepard unless somehow all of my receivers are hurt and I just need a guy who's going to get me like 10 points because he, I do think he's consistent enough like that. But Gabby, are you interested in Sterling Shepard at all? Am I crazy? I think you're crazy a little bit. I think coming into the season, we were kind of low on Sterling, way too low on him. He's consistent, man. The problem with him has been injuries. When If he's in and he's playing the majority of the snaps, he's balling. Going back to last year, last two, last two weeks of last season, he played 96% of snaps versus Baltimore, got 22 points. And then the following week, 85% of the snaps, 33 points. Wait, were you so telling me somebody was able to pass on Dallas last week, last year? Dallas was bad at defense last year? Crazy. Crazy. I mean, Daniel Jones was able to pass on Dallas last year. So I think that's what's impressive here. Hey, but his only know. problem is fumbles. All right. <laughs> but point being is like over the last three weeks, this man's been balling. I think health has been an issue. If he's healthy, I think he's a nice flex option in PPR formats. And if he's out, sitting out there in your waiver wire, he's a wide receiver that can come be helpful uh, earlier on in the stretch. And I do like his matchup this week versus Washington. He's a slot wide receiver. So 
Um, cornerbacks don't tend to follow uh, slot wide receivers unless you're like Jalen Ramsey or you're a really good wide receiver. And I just don't think Sterling Shepard is going to get that level of respect to get the top corner to follow him into the slot as opposed to like a DeAndre Hopkins or something. I think Sterling Shepard's good, but I, I don't think he is number one level potential. That being said, I think he's going to be able to carve up most of his matchups in the slot position. And I think he's going to be Daniel's, uh, Daniel Jones's security blanket. Evan Ingram has shown that he's just, he's not a tight end that you want. He hasn't been, hasn't been really effective. So I think Sterling Shepard is that guy. So he's definitely a waiver wire. I'd, I'm trying to pick up this week in a, a couple of my leagues. If some of my ads just didn't go as planned, such as Elijah Moore, Terrace Marshall. I would, I would pick him up if uh, some of my like flyers, like you said, don't didn't hit or any of my waiver wire pickups don't go the way I hope, but, and yes, he was good his last three games, including this week, but He's been healthy or at least playing over 50% of the snaps since week seven of last year. And he had what, like he had three, four weeks probably out of that time where you would have not wanted to play him at all. And then three or four more where he was only just usable and you weren't really happy that you played him or sad either way. You're just kind of like, ah, he's a guy didn't lose you or win you anything. So I, I just am not super high on Sterling Shepard. I think it's going to be more of the same. I think it's going to be more of the, you never know when you can play him. You're not sure when the breakout week or the great weeks are going to be. He will have those when he gets like 10, 12 targets, but I just don't think you're going to know when those are going to be. And I think he's going to also have a significant amount of bust games. And I think that he's going to be basically neutralized in games that are tough. Cause I just think that, the Giants are bad, and I don't think they're going to be good. And I think they also have lots of receiving talent, probably their only strong spot on the roster other than uh, Saquon. They have lots of receiving talent. I don't know if I think he's going to continue to just get this much, this many targets. So I'm just not super high on Sterling Shepard. He's 28. Is this going to be the breakout year? Maybe. I'm thinking probably not, especially after they bring in more talent this offseason with Kenny Galladay. Uh, so disagreement there but I would be picking him up um again if I have some really big holes in my roster and I just need somebody solid so not the worst waiver wire pickup ever I'm just not excited for it personally um a couple more guys I wanted to mention Tim Patrick um just a guy to keep an eye on Jerry Judy goes down for the Denver Broncos the Denver Broncos are probably going to be not the greatest team ever probably going to have to pass a fair amount um, Tim Patrick just continues to be involved every, every game going back to last year. He just is continues to be targeted. Uh, I think people just don't like him because his last, his name is Tim Patrick. Just doesn't sound like he should be good, but he's got two first names. You can't trust it. <laughs> can't trust it at all, <laughs> but he does. He does continue to show out. I don't know. I don't know what he has to do to become trusted but I think he's a good waiver wire pickup this week he got four targets last week so not his biggest but he was targeted in the red zone he did get a touchdown um and I just going back to last year he's the consistent guy that I want um he also he kind of did the opposite of Sterling Shepard was more consistent and then ended the year being a little less consistent uh but I'm I'm interested in Tim Patrick uh probably about the same as Sterling Shepard, except for 
The thing I like about Tim Patrick is I think his team is good enough to have consistent fantasy value. Whereas New York, I'm not, I don't feel that way. So I think they're very similar. I just think that better team in Denver, better chance of uh, fantasy output each week for that reason. Nah, I want to keep it moving, but Tim, uh, I just think that I can't believe, I can't believe in the third option to Teddy Bridgewater just to keep it short. Um, with, why is he the why is he the third option though? He's behind Cortland Sutton. Yeah, I agree with that. He's behind well, Noah Fant. I don't know if that's true. I wish it was true. I like Noah Fant. I, think, I, I have him in a lot of leagues. I don't I, know if that's true. I think I think we'll time will tell. Talent. I think talent talent shows through. So I. Th- I just I don't know if three oh, I'm not taking taking three wide receivers in the Denver offense. I don't think that's going to be viable in a ten team league. So if the odd man's out, I think it's Tim Patrick, and we that's still have enough. to throw to the running backs as well there. But um, to keep it moving here, uh, next guy up here is Carlos Hyde, um, running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We talked about him here earlier. Uh, J- James Robinson's backup. But he has a connection with Urban Meyer being the Ohio State running back that um, when uh, Urban Meyer was coaching there. He had 11 touches last week, which is a lot in the Jacksonville offense, given how many offensive weapons we see there. Uh, Sam, do you have any insight or any uh, idea about what Carlos Hyde could hold in fantasy? I I do. I think I I think you got to at least think about picking him up if you have some holes on your team, um, especially if you need running backs. But I'm not interested really in at all in Carlos Hyde uh, because I think he's the goal line running back for a team that's not going to have a lot of goal line options or opportunities. So I think they're going to be down a lot. I think, like I mentioned earlier, James Robinson is going to be the guy to own because of the passing work. Uh, If you somehow think Jacksonville is going to be on the goal line a lot, get Carlos Hyde I just think you're never going to know when he's going to actually get the chance on the goal line um so I just don't think you're ever going to want to play him but you know if you really need a running back he's a guy to look for at least that's fair uh did you have anything else to add about Carlos Hyde no all right then we will move on to just a couple quick fire guys that we're just going to mention just based off some interesting stats that came out from week one. Uh, Mark Ingram had 26 carries, potential pickup similar to Carlos Hyde, but you know, it's the Texans. So nobody's super excited about that offense. Uh, next guy, DJ Chark, 12 targets. That's a ton. Um, I still think he's probably the number three wide receiver there, but you know, 12 targets is asking to prove me wrong, but don't forget that 12 targets got him a whole whopping three receptions which is pretty terrible so you know i'm not over the moon for him but 12 receptions you at least have to take note so that's why we mentioned it here but last guy on the quick fire players just real quick tony jones the new orleans number two he got 11 carries and he is just looks like he's going to be the guy for that number two role in new orleans which we know has had fantasy value 
in the past with Latavius Murray and Mark Ingram. Let's see how it develops. I'm not really picking him up now, but he's definitely a guy to look for. 11 rushes, rushes for New Orleans is interesting. Um, I think they will have just more offensive plays uh, next week. So um, look for his role to potentially increase. Uh, but that 11 rushes could have also come from them being up by so much. So we'll see. Um, moving on to our next segment here is, uh, is just you got to be watching out for who gets dropped. And Gabby's got some guys that you should really be looking out for who might have potentially been dropped in your league. Gabby, hit us with those guys. All right. So a couple guys that I got we have alluded to earlier. The first guy was Trey Sermon. Um, running back for San Francisco 49ers. He was a healthy scratch in week one. Uh, somebody probably wanted to move in a different direction, but I still think he has the upside in a Kyle Shanahan offense to go pick up and just see what he does in the next couple of weeks. You never know who gets hurt, and he's one injury away from being a top 20 running back. Uh, along with that was Javonta Williams. I know he got 14 rushes, but the end line was just not that pretty, so somebody might have moved on from him. Maybe that might be a less likely chance, but if that is a possibility, you need to go out and grab him right now. He has great end-of-season value. And then my final ones are the three uh, three mobile rookie quarterbacks that we went into the year thinking had QB1 upside. So that is Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and Trey Lance. And I actually wanted to ask Sam about Trey Lance. Uh, we're in a couple leagues, and I noticed that he had dropped Trey Lance in a couple leagues after one week. And I want to just talk to a couple of fantasy managers and especially Sam here. And I just wanted to ask like how much new information came in from Sunday onto your draft day that made you think Trey Lance was now droppable? It was less of new information. Um, if you recall last week on the podcast, I mentioned that after the Trey Lance injury happened, um, I thought it was less likely that he was going to take over that role. I was high on Trey Lance this year because he he needs to be on the field. I believe that because of how little work he got um, in college and also being a COVID opt out um, in college. So he just he literally hadn't played football in a year um, and he didn't throw the ball that much when he was in college. So I really firmly believe that San Francisco at least would want to get him out on the field in some sort of role, which they did. Um, but I just don't see Jimmy Garoppolo letting go of that role. Jimmy Garoppolo looked nice against the Lions. I will say that. And if I had a lot of extra space on my uh, on my roster, I would have kept Trey Lance. But I did say on the previous podcast, that I only kept him because, you know, I had already had my chance to get my sleepers. There wasn't anybody on the waiver wire that I was overly excited. And I wanted to see week one, see how Garoppolo looked. Garoppolo looked good. Don't think it's going to happen. The switch is going to happen anytime soon. You're going to have a chance to pick him up. If you think that Garoppolo is starting to slip, I don't think it's going to be next week. I'm not looking to, I'm thinking Garoppolo is going to be around for a while. And that's why I think Trey Lance is probably not worth the hold just because of how long, if anything, if he, even if he is, I don't think he necessarily will ever become the starter this year. So I just 
don't think he's worth the hold. And the longer you hold him, the harder it is to drop him. So, you know, I think you just got to accept that you might have been wrong about this guy or I, I actually, you know, I might have been wrong about this guy. Um, you were right. You said from the beginning you thought it was a Patrick Mahomes situation, but I think I might have been wrong about how long it might take for this guy to become the starter. I'm moving on. And also in that league and in some of the leagues that I dropped him in, I have pretty solid quarterbacks. I have Tom Brady in a lot of leagues. That was kind of the guy I targeted based off his value this year. I think he was a little bit underappreciated. Um, so I have Tom Brady in the league you're specifically referring to, and I don't think I'll be needing Trey Lance anytime soon. That's fair, but I still think there's a chance that Trey Lance is going to sit the whole year, as I said earlier. But now so, seeing him play on Sunday and seeing how much Kyle Shanahan used him, he rushed the ball three times and threw a touchdown. Like, I think as the backup quarterback, and hear me out here for a second. Trey Lance, yeah, he looks like he might not be the starter for a while. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think is one bad game away from losing his job. But he's certainly two bad games in a row from losing his job. If he has two bad games in a row, it's going to be hard, especially if they lose both of them, to not start Trey Lance, I think. And if Jimmy Garoppolo has one bad game, I think, and, and Trey Lance is on the waiver wire, I think he's already going to be picked up. That's going to be the waiver wire that everybody's talking about as soon as Jimmy G has a bad game. So I think you're going to be too late as soon as Jimmy G has a bad game. So in week one, if you have the if you have the spot, or I, he still has that upside to me. I think that what you had alluded to earlier in the season is, I think it was pr- proven even more on Sunday in that regard. I I, just, I think it's more of a bet if if he's going to actually get in. But I think that the upside and the actual talent that if he does get in, how elite he was he'll be was just proven that at least you'll have the opportunity to be top 10 top eight quarterback I I have to I tend to think a little bit differently about it I don't disagree really but I do think that Kyle Shanahan potentially loves the way that Trey Lance comes in and is not the quarterback that the defense is necessarily game planned for but he comes in and he is able to do different things than Garoppolo we saw when he came in and threw that touchdown the defense was I think in my in my opinion I think clearly expecting a run I don't think they were expecting that pass at all and I think that's the value of bringing Trey Lance in off the bench is your defense can't game plan for him because they have to game plan for Garoppolo who's a completely different type of quarterback Um, and so I think there is the chance that very similar to a Taysom Hill New Orleans situation where yes, Taysom Hill has got all these things he can do that are great, but in the gadget role, he's very valuable. Um, And like you said, I do think that if Jimmy Garoppolo has two bad games, he's going to get benched for, uh, for Lance, but I don't think that he's necessarily going to have two bad games in a row anytime soon. Um, And I don't think that, I'm not as convinced that people are going to rush the waiver wires after one bad Jimmy Garoppolo game as you are. If he has a bad game this week, which I think is unlikely, I think that might be the case. But I think after he has a good game this week, Jimmy Garoppolo, that is, which I think will happen. I think people will calm down on Trey Lance for this year. 
And I think that the hype will go away at least a little bit. And I don't think people are going to necessarily be picking them up after one game, one bad game or picking up Trey Lance after one bad Garoppolo game. But you're right. After two, I do think it would happen, but that's part of why I say, I think you'll have time to be able to pick up Trey Lance if something happens, because I think it's going to take two Garoppolo mistakes. And I think you can kind of see that coming and hopefully get him back. If there's any chance that he does take that role um, and makes fantasy value out of it, because even if he does take that role, are you going to go and start him right away? No, probably not. You're probably not going to start him week one, maybe not week two. You're going to hope he has a good matchup, but I'm just, I'm just not going to hold on to him just hoping that something happens in when we have no clear time frame for when it might. So that's my take on Trey Lance. That's fair. But if you do have just a spot where you're just, it's just, you got nobody else you feel even confident about at all or anybody else that you like, I'd hold him if you really want to, if you really believe in him, but. I didn't, obviously. Hmm. All right. Well, moving on here, I have uh, the drops. I have a we got a new segment that I like to introduce here this week. I think this is might be something new that I try to introduce a new segment. Uh, th- this week is going to be called Fact or Overreact. Um, I'm going to ask. I'm not going to ask. I'm going to say some statements out, and I want to see if Sam's going to think this is going a fact for the rest of the year, over or an overreact or an overreaction uh, from week one. So let's get right into it. Um, the first one is Debo Samuel is unequivocally the number one offensive weapon in the San Francisco offense. Uh, last week, we saw him get 189 yards on nine receptions. Uh, and George Kittle only got five targets. And he fumbled the ball. And it looked like Debo Samuel just looked explosive. We saw it in the Super Bowl. We last year he was hurt, but we saw it. Debo Samuel was the guy that Kyle Shanahan was looking for. This is something that I kind of I don't know what I didn't see by this. Debo Samuel should have been higher on my list. I think right away, owners, this is one that we gotta look at and go like, but Sam, what do you think about it? Do you think that statement is an overreaction or do you think that's a fact? I think it's I think he's the clear number one option as far as receivers on San Francisco. I don't necessarily think he's the number one over Kittle. I think this probably was just not a Kittle week. Um, But I do think if you're going to own anybody in as far as a wide receiver in San Francisco, it's got to be Debo Samuel. And I think he's going to be good on a weekly basis or basis for fantasy. Uh, The problem with Debo Samuel and the reason that people weren't as high on him is because Brandon Ayuk is there and we don't know there is that chance. Brandon Ayuk is an extremely talented wide receiver. There's the chance that he comes out and does something. We talked about it earlier, but there's a chance. There's always a chance that Kyle Shanahan gives Ayuk another chance and Ayuk takes that role from Debo Samuel. Now that's going to be tough after how Debo Samuel performed, but Debo Samuel is the kind of guy who could give uh, Ayuk an opening due to his injury history. Debo Samuel, and I'm not sure on all the details, so I don't want to speculate, but Debo Samuel has been extremely injury prone throughout his career and is likely to continue being that way. When he plays, he absolutely dominates. In his last four games for San Francisco that he played over 
60% of the snaps. He had over 10 points in each one. He had over five targets in, in every game that he's played over six snaps. Um, not just the last four or 60% of the snaps, not just the last four, but he missed a bunch of games last year and he missed time the year before that. So Debo Samuel is just not a reliable guy as far as health, but you know, neither is anybody else in San Francisco though. That's a great, that's a great point to make, but I, the only point I'm making is that's the reason I think that people weren't as high on Debo Samuel, but you gotta be playing him if you got him. Um, 12 targets, nine catches for 189 yards and a touchdown is just absolutely bonkers. Um, yeah, you gotta be playing him, but there is a chance that that is the reason that Debo Samuel, and at least, at least in my opinion, was not higher and why I wasn't as high on Debo Samuel because I, not to toot my own horn or anything because I don't have him in too many leagues, but I do have him in a few because I did think he has the potential to be this kind of player where he has huge weeks for you. But he just isn't – he just is injury-prone, and that's why I don't have him in more leagues. So we'll see if he's able to continue to do this, um, see if he's able to continue to be healthy. But, um, yeah, I'm hoping so, at least. What else – any other what, – what other what other statements do we uh, factor or react to, Gabby? Next one. I got two more for you here. Uh, Derek Carr is the top 12 fantasy quarterback rest of the season. Overreact. Uh, I, I'm not sure about this one, Sam. Uh, he's proven that he's a he's a consistent quarterback. I think he's he's our he's the next Matt Stafford, a guy that we we overlook. Oh my gosh, um, that's extremely disrespectful towards Matt Stafford. Just hear me out here, though. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's he's been balling the last six weeks. He's gotten over 25 fantasy points five out of the last six weeks, dating back to last season. He's thrown in over those last six weeks. He has games of 47 attempts, 45 attempts, 56 attempts, 38 attempts, 34 attempts. So he's chucking the ball. And Josh Jacobs doesn't look good right now. So I think that Derek Carr has a real opportunity here to take over the offense and Slinging the rock, John Gruden has shown, and I also think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. That defense it looked good at times, but it also didn't look good at times. I think that was more of an indictment on the Baltimore offense more than the Raiders defense holding a stand. So I think Derek Carr is going to be in a lot more shootouts. So we're going to see a lot more passing from him, and I think he has the potential to definitely be a top twelve quarterback. He's definitely an underweighted passer, and I think especially in leagues where. Uh, passing touchdowns are six points compared to your standard four. I think that's going to be a big bonus. Okay. I, I got to be honest, completely thinking overreact here. If this game doesn't go to overtime, which I don't think it does if it's not week one, I think Baltimore's better than the Raiders. I don't think this game goes to overtime if it's not week one. And he throws a touchdown in overtime which he did, does get – Derek Carr, that is, gets 27 fantasy points this week. Yeah, that's good. But if he doesn't throw that touchdown, he doesn't get over 20. But he threw it. You can't – Yeah, yeah. That's so he, unfair sometimes. No, it's not. You can't expect that. You can't expect that he's going to get an extra quarter. You can't expect that. I do not think that's unfair. 
Now I, I see where you're coming from. He balled out at the end of 2020, uh, a lot of 2020, but he also had a lot of games where he uh, card the bed. He was bad in multiple games. He got negative 2.4 once against Atlanta. Atlanta wasn't good last year at defense. He got you negative 2.4 and he threw the ball 34 times. He didn't just not have to do anything. He was in for a good part of the game, 81% of the snaps threw the ball 34% of the times. Now that's obviously just kind of an outlier. And there's games like that that happened that happened to Aaron Rodgers this week. So I'm not going to say that that is proves that he's not good enough, but he also had a really, really favorable schedule last week. Going back from six or from week 17, he had Denver, Miami, LA Chargers, Indianapolis, the New York Jets, Atlanta, Kansas City, and then Denver. And so that's going back to week 10. None of those teams had an overwhelmingly good defense. And a lot of them were teams that were just always getting in shootouts last year. So he had a, a really just really good schedule, in my opinion. I think he might have gotten a little bit boosted due to that. I'm not saying he's the worst player, but he's not going to be a top 12 for me at the end of the year. I am very, very firm in my in my opinion on that. I am not a Derek Carr believer in that sense. I think we'll see. I think the Raiders are going to shock some people this year. I think they, they'll be able to fight for the wild card spot. But last statement I have here, um, that one, I think Derek Carr, I think that one's going to be a factor. I think he's going to end up at 12. And before we move on for that, I just wanted to say that I might be off by a spot or two, but Tom Brady had 27 points this last week and he finishes as well. So him and Derek Carr were tied. They both finished around. I think there might've been a couple other players who were about that. And I don't know for sure who, what it was, but they were both around the QB seven, 10 with that good of a performance. I just don't believe Derek Carr is going to keep doing that. And he was only around about the 10 in a good week. So just saying, but what's your, what's your next question? I think final one. Uh, James Robinson finishes outside of the top 20 running backs this season. Uh, rest of the season. I think this is a hammer. This is a fact. Um, I'm trying to trade out of James Robinson right now in a bunch of leagues. I'm currently in my dynasty league. I'm mulling over if I should trade him for Julio Jones after a week one performance. Uh, that is that is the level that we're on. We are trying to get out of James Robinson as soon as possible. Uh, Jacksonville did not look good. Um, they're the worst team in football. I think people forgot that. Yes, they got Trevor Lawrence, but there was a reason they got Trevor Lawrence. It's because they were the worst team in football. So um, and they, they didn't get much better outside of Trevor Lawrence. Yes, he's a generational talent, but he's going to have his growing pains. Um, they're going to definitely gonna give him the opportunity to learn through it on the go, though. But yeah, they're going to let him throw the ball no matter what. So I think that's a good thing for the passing game, but for the running backs in general, especially what we hi- with we, what we highlighted earlier in Carlos Hyde. Uh, James Robinson is definitely finishing outside the top 20 for me. But what do you think, Sam? Now that is, well, first off, that's really sad um, because I like James Robinson. Uh, But I'm I'm torn on this. If there was any way to do an in the middle, I would. Um, But I think if you are a James Robinson owner, now I'm going to say I overreact to this. 
or, or I'm going to say fact, excuse me, fact. I do think he might is likely to end up outside the top 20. But I think if you are a James Robinson owner, I don't think it matters what you think might be happening. I don't think there's a way you're going to be able to trade him for enough value that makes it worth it to you, unless maybe you're trading him to a Jacksonville fan because, or maybe somebody who won their league last year with James Robinson, but there's no way you're going to get the value for him that is worth it to move him. There is a chance that this was an outlier game. There is a chance that James Robinson starts putting up better numbers. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, James Robinson is the passing back. He got three times the passing work of, of uh, Carlos Hyde. Jacksonville is going to be down there going to pass every single game. You can hope that maybe James Robinson gets more involved in the run game, or maybe the passing work goes up somehow. So I think there is a chance and a very clear path to a top 20 role. I don't know if I'm betting on it's going to happen. I think urban Meyer has an affinity for uh, Carlos Hyde, but if you own, if you own James Robinson, I think you got to say overreact. And I think you got to stick to James Robinson. And I think you got to hold. And I'm not trading for him. So if I'm not, if I don't own him, I'm not trading for him. I'm going to, I'm not confident that he's going to finish as a top 20 back, but I would not trade him away. I'm holding him. Um, I am encouraging all James Robinson owners to hold unless you somehow get an amazing trade offer. Anything else you wanted to add on that one, Gabby? No, I'm definitely selling. Uh, I think his values, it's a tanking stock and his values is high. You think uh, you now who would you who would be a who would be a trade target? Not obviously you probably haven't been thinking about this, but is there anybody that you could give me any one or two players that you think might be a reasonable offer? somebody might ask for if you're giving up James Robinson, because I just don't think you're going to get anybody back. That's worth it. I'm curious who you think you might be able to get. I'd take Kareem Hunt in a heartbeat. You think the Kareem Hunt owner would give you Kareem Hunt for James Robinson right now? So his value is depressed to that, to that low. Way lower. I think I'm not, I wouldn't, I own Kareem Hunt in some leagues as well. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, I would obviously, I would for sure give out James Robinson for Kareem Hunt if you can do that. But I don't, I don't think you can make that happen. I guess it depends on your league, but I just don't think that's going to happen after James Robinson's week last week. Elijah Mitchell. That's an interesting one. You could potentially find a guy to do that. Um, However, I do think it's probably going to be tough for the guy who just either blew all his fab or got the, had the worst week of his life and finished with the number one uh, waiver priority to be like, yeah, give me James Robinson instead of this guy who might be able to save my week. So yeah, maybe if you find the right guy, but, uh, or person, I guess I should say, but um, if you find the right person, do it, but I just don't think you're going to find that. And Elijah Mitchell is, I don't know if I would want to do that. I might hold him still if I'm the James Robinson owner. It's just you don't know if Elijah Mitchell is going to have that role for too long. Um, but I, I would probably I would still do that trade. I would take Elijah Mitchell. So that's kind of a tough one, but I just don't think you'd be able to find the guy to do that, anyways. Alrighty. Anyways, 
I love that segment. We'll definitely be revisiting <laughs> it. Um, but we're moving on to our tried and true from last week, starts and sits of the week. We have – well, we'll talk a little bit about last week first before we get ahead of ourselves. Sits of the last week that are notable, Aaron Rodgers, Gabby, you're a savant. You knew he was going to get benched last week somehow. We're all impressed. Uh, Josh Jacobs was a sit for me last week. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to blame overtime for that one too. Let's do that. Um, yeah. And then Mike Gusecki, if you started him, you're sad because he got you a big fast zero. And uh, I told you that was going to happen. So you should have listened. Uh, anyways, moving on to our, our, our starts, uh, Odell. I started him as my receiver last week. Uh, that's the reason we need a Twitter because, you know, he came out. He wasn't going to play the day after we mentioned that earlier. Um, Raheem Mostert to start for Gabby. That was tough. Gets injured after what, two plays or so. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, we mentioned him earlier as well. He was my start of the week at quarterback. Tough to see him go down earlier uh, or early. Um, a successful starts of the week. Chase Edmonds had 14 points this week. Uh, Tyler Higby had 12, two guys I said. Um, and then Pittman was a start of the week of yours that I was not successful that I wanted to ask about um, just because, you know, he, he didn't do anything last week. But are you holding Pittman or would you be dropping him and trying to pick up somebody else? I'm definitely holding him. Um, Colts offensive line just did not look up to par last week i think that's more of an anomaly more uh, than reality uh so i give it another week um i think we just got to give the offense time to gel carson Wentz hasn't really been practicing we have to remember he's coming back from a foot injury covid list uh just give this time offense to gel and i think michael Pittman's still has the talent to be the number one wide receiver zach pascal was the guy last week i think that's an interesting ad deeper leagues PPR leads if you need a running back kind of in the same tier as a Tim Patrick but uh, I'm definitely holding as a wide receiver but yeah I still think that uh um, Michael Pittman is definitely a hold candidate there but uh, I definitely failed you guys there I thought he was uh, performed better versus the Seahawks but the defense looked improved yeah you were uh, not alone in expecting that he did better last week that was extremely disappointing Um, I'm not sold to the Seahawks defense is that improved, which is why I'm definitely okay with dropping um, Pittman, but he has an op- a clear opportunity and he should do better. Um, he's definitely worth the hold. So um, I don't think that's a bad plan if you're thinking of doing that. Um, but yeah, moving on to our starts and sit sits this week. Um, if they have to change for some reason, we will be letting you know via Twitter. But uh, to begin with, my start of the week, at quarterback Ryan Tannehill versus Seattle. We just recently made a, we touched on Seattle's defense just a second ago. Uh, I still think they're not that great. Like I said, Um, a lot of guys this week at quarterback have really good matchups. So I would say there's a ton of options for you this week. Ryan Tannehill is just a guy that I feel confident with that you might not be think is obvious especially how he didn't after him not doing so great last week um but seattle's d was not good last year i don't think they're going to be that great this year um and i think it's going to be a competitive game which forces them to pass um gabby did you have any thoughts on that or are you ready to tell us your qb start of the week 
I am ready to tell you uh, my QB star of the week. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, by the way, uh, he was my star of the week for you guys last week. And a little I tough, apologize. yeah. Yeah, yeah tough. he got 14 <laughs> points. Tennessee didn't look good, but. That we'll Arizona see. defense was impressive. That was unexpected. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, they'll, they'll be able to show out this week because if not, um, this the sirens are going to start ringing there in Tennessee. But for my start of the week, it's going to be Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Quite the performance versus Atlanta. Um, he was able to get 264 yards and three touchdowns, adding – having 62 yards with his leg as well, with his legs as well. Um, he's playing San Francisco here. San Francisco just lost their number one cornerback, Jason Verrett. And if you were watching that game, that was the moment when Jared Goff started looking really good and started being able to shred that defense. And yes, the game was kind of out of hand, but the defense was still trying. And that's when Jared Goff was able to look kind of good when their number one corner was got injured. And yes, Jason Verrett is out for the year. So I think, Jalen Hurts has a really good opportunity here to continue that performance from week one uh, versus Atlanta and be a very, very viable quarterback this week and have him as a top eight. I would start him over guys such as um, Justin Herbert, Ryan Tannehill, just to name a couple of names. Okay. I would uh, – that's a tough one. I would probably continue to start – or I would probably start Ryan Tannehill just because – He's a little safer, I feel like, than Jalen Hurts. But I like that you brought him up as a start of the week because I feel like a lot of people are aware of the Jalen Hurts hype for fantasy. But he just played Atlanta, who everybody knows is trash at defense. And uh, San Francisco's defense is significantly better. So I, I'm glad that you came out and get, shared the confidence that Jalen Hurts is going to be a good fantasy matchup this week because I agree. Um, and I think that people might not have been – necessarily confident to play him but moving on to my running back start of the week I'm gonna go with a repeat here Chase Edmonds from last week now he didn't blow you out of the water last week I know that but he did 14 points in PPR which is our preferred show format is good enough for me as a flex I'll say that Um, now if you want a guy who's probably gonna pop off if you're looking like you're gonna maybe lose your matchup if you're playing the best team in the league which I might be this week in one in our main league uh you want to play a guy maybe who's got a little bit more of a upside I think Chase Edmonds is a really great floor play who's going to be have a floor around 13 to 15 points uh due to the passing game um and I think that against Minnesota who's a team that I think is going to be good enough to push Arizona to continue to pass but not so good that Arizona will not be able to pass. I think it's a really good matchup for Chase Edmonds. I was disappointed to see how often that James Conner was on the field last game uh, for Arizona, but I am feeling confident that Chase Edmonds is the clear running back to have in the passing game. And I think I personally believe he is more talented, more explosive than James Conner. And he did get more snaps than James Conner. So I think Chase Edmonds is again, another good play that people might not be expecting to be a good play this week. Um, but I think he's a solid flex or RB two play this week for sure. No, I definitely agree with that. His, his catching ability is definitely supreme and this is going to be a tight game. So um, I definitely think Chase Edmonds is the guy to have, but with my start of the week, I'm going to go back to 
my guy said was going to be a breakout in Jamal Williams uh, from the Detroit Lions. He's he was proven this week that uh, reports came out that he was going to get the starting role over DeAndre Swift, and yeah, that didn't turn out. But in the touches that he did have, he was able to produce, coming out with twenty five fantasy points. And Jared Goff, when he's looking to pass the ball, he looks like TJ Hawkinson. And who is he going to throw the ball after after that? These Amaz St. Brown's not ready yet. Tyrell Williams continuously gets hurt in week one every year. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift are his second and third best wide receivers, respectively. So I think Jamal Williams is going to be a very – is a great option in fantasy this week. Um, he's going to be a, my flex in a couple leagues. And I think he has the potential still to take this job over. Yes, DeAndre Swift – had a really good game, but Jamal Williams, he had a better game and he was on the field less, but when he was on the field, he was touching the ball. They had plays to get him the ball in his hand and for him to get yardage. Eight reception isn't anything to slouch at. So I think he's still going to be a big part of his option offense. And he's definitely a start for me. Yeah, I think that's a great play. I'm, I am more excited about uh, DeAndre Swift as I think the draft capital, and I think most people would probably agree, but Jamal Williams is an absolute steal this year. 25 points last week. He had nine targets, which is the same amount as Christian McCaffrey. Um, if you think about that backfield as a whole, 20 targets last week because DeAndre Swift got 11. 20 targets is insane for a backfield. So they are getting the ball thrown to them a ton. Just like you said, they are the number two option there in the passing game. Um, of, of course, I mean, Jamal Williams only got nine attempts, whereas Christian McCaffrey got 21, which is why he's the fantasy goat. But Jamal Williams is extremely involved in the passing game and the run game. Um, I'm still preferring Swift, but for a guy that you found so late, you got to be super excited about what you have in Jamal Williams this this year. And I think against Green Bay, he's a great start. Um, Yeah. Also, it's going to be a revenge game. He's going playing Green Bay as old team. He's yeah. going to get the ball a lot. Detroit's going to at least try to find – I think Detroit's going to at least give him the opportunity to find the end zone, score against his little team. So, definitely a start there for me. No, I, I agree. I think if you um, – he's, he's a great start this week, so I'm, I'm feeling confident with him. Um, a guy that in the past you haven't felt so confident with is – seems like he's found a good home in Detroit. But moving on to our wide receiver starts the week. Cortland Sutton is mine this week, a guy I am I am shaking, honestly. I'm sc- I am scared to be telling you all this. Uh, Cortland Sutton didn't do anything last week. He got you a whole whopping 2.4 fantasy points on three targets with one reception for only 14 yards. So you might be asking, why would you make him your start of the week, Sam? That seems crazy. Uh, well, for starters, he's playing Jacksonville, and I think that it is going to be a shootout. I think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to be throwing the ball all over the yard because I think that's what Jacksonville is going to try to do because uh, that's all they're going to be able to do to try to win the game. They're going to have to try to keep up. So I think there's going to be lots of passing in this game. Jerry Judy, unfortunately, goes down in the last game with a high ankle sprain. Um, so Cortland Sutton is the clear number one, whereas I already believed he was the number one in Denver. I think without Jerry Judy, he is the clear and obvious number one. Um, And so I think that the last week is an outlier. Um, I don't think he's going to only get one reception each week. New York is a 
underrated or the New York Giants that is is an underrated defense in my opinion they just have such a crappy offense uh but I think they're a better defense than people give them credit for Jacksonville is not a better defense than people give them credit for and uh, I am excited to see what Cortland Sutton does this week against Jacksonville largely because if you own Cortland Sutton or you picked him up or you have him somehow if you're not going to play him this week you're never going to play him I believe in the talent Cortland Sutton hurt last year, but before that coming off, a, I believe 1100 yard season, uh, Cortland Sutton is a really good player. Yeah. 1100 yards, just over 1100 yards in 2019. So I think he's the most talented receiver there. And I think this is the week he comes and bounces back and shows it after his injury last year. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's a underweighted wide receiver and he's matchup uh, quarterback proof. Denver uh, quarterbacks have not been good since Peyton Manning and before that John Elway so um and he's still been a productive wide receiver so no matter who it is I think he's going to be the guy just give him a couple weeks he's coming back from an ACL so I think he's a good option there definitely a buy low candidate I'm gonna go make a trade to my one of my owners who owns Cortland Sutton and after this uh podcast so but what my starts for the week uh this is kind of cheating, but it's going to be the Cincinnati wide receiver trio. I'm starting all three of them. If you own any Cincinnati wide receiver, firing them up this week versus Chicago. Uh, Chicago's not able to guard anybody, it seemed like. Uh, the corners looked like they were able to get beat at any point. Um, the Rams, yes, it was the Rams were able to do whatever they want, but they were passing the ball on them. No, no pressure whatsoever. Khalil Mack, Outside of him, it didn't look like they were able to really get to Matt Stafford bother him at all. Uh, I don't think that's going to be a case versus Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is a passing-heavy team. Um, Joe Mixon seems like he was more involved, but Joe Burrow's back, and I think you can start T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd with confidence this week. I think they're all going to be top 36 wide receivers for you. I, uh, I do have to disagree with you a little bit on this one. Push back just a little bit. I am definitely under no circumstances playing Tyler Boyd, personally. I mentioned it previously in an earlier podcast that I believe that Tyler Boyd is the clear odd man out of that trio. Um, the other guys I'm concerned for sure about um, uh, Jamar Chase's consistency, but I'm still playing him. I think this is going to be another good week for him. Uh Maybe not as good, or probably not as good. He was awesome last week. I'm super excited to see what he does, but probably not as good for fantasy. Um, T. Higgins, I think you got to be playing him. Uh, he's awesome. Great player. Um, I think he's the number one there. Play him. But I'm fading Tyler Boyd as I think he's the number three, and I think that uh, Chicago's defense is better than people maybe – or they're still good, not maybe as good as last year, but they're good. They especially have a good D-line which I think is going to be really tough for Cincinnati considering they have such an awful offensive line. Um, so we'll see if Cincinnati is able to put up points. I think this might be a week where they don't put up quite as many points and you're disappointed by at least one of the uh, Cincinnati pass catching options, maybe Tyler Boyd as well. So we'll see on that one, but I'm personally in, in disagreeing on that one, at least as far as Tyler Boyd is concerned. But moving on to our starts of the week at tight end, I've got 
Tyler Higby, a guy that I mentioned in our previous podcast about he being a breakout this year. I really am high on Tyler Higby, and he came through for me in week one. He got six targets for five catches and 68 yards. That's the second most receptions on his team. So he was targeted by Matthew Stafford. He got 12 points, and they were in a game script that you wouldn't necessarily think is good for a tight end to be getting points against Chicago. They dominated Chicago. They didn't need to keep passing it, and they did just keep throwing it to Tyler Higby. So he didn't get a a touchdown this week. He just did his thing, got his 12 points, got lots of targets. Um, I'm excited for him this week. I don't think that Indy is uh, – they're playing Indianapolis. I don't think that they're that impressive of a defense. I expect them to potentially bounce back, but Seattle tore him up. Um, I'm excited to see what Matthew Stafford is able to do against them. I think the Rams are really good. I don't think that Indy's going to slow him down. Sorry, Gabby. Uh, feel bad for the Colts this week. I think they're going to get beat, um, and I think Tyler Boyd's going to have a good game. Or not Tyler Boyd, excuse me. <laughs> Just said he did, wasn't going to have a good game. Tyler Higby is going to have a good game. That's fair. That's fair. My tight end of the week is Jared Cook, uh, tight end for the Chargers. He had eight targets last week for 56 yards uh, on five receptions for 56 yards. And with the new offense uh, coach in Brandon Staley coming over from the Rams, uh, no, he was the defensive coordinator. Let me apologize. But he is now the offense defensive coordinator at the Rams, but now he is the coach of the Chargers. Um, looks it's like they have a new offense. Because he was a quarterback, so. <laughs> yeah. But now he, yeah, now they're, they have a new offensive scheme, it looks like now. They're not passing to the running backs as much under Anthony Lynn. Why? Side note, that's also why I really do like the Detroit running back. Anthony Lynn is now the offensive coordinator. That's a great point, yeah. Detroit Lions, and we saw it in week one. They are targeting the running backs heavily. So, Which is exactly what he did in L.A. (laughs) So, uh, but anyway, uh, Cook is going to be really good for the Chargers this year. I think they have a new approach to passing the ball. I think Eckler is going to get his targets, but it's pretty obvious. I think that they're not going to be looking at to him as much as last year. Zero targets is not a lot. I think targets are a very easy thing to scheme up in an offense. If you're looking to get the ball in Austin Eckler's hands in the passing play, it's not going to be, it's not that hard. He's literally like three yards away from you, five yards away from you. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a showcase of that the offense has changed. And I think Jerry Cook is going to be in a great start this week. Yeah, I think it's if you're an Austin Eckler owner, I think you're very concerned that he didn't get too many targets or no targets last week. Excuse me. He seemed to look a little banged up, um, especially after the rumors um, of a, or not rumors, but him having some issues with a hamstring, I believe it was um, before week one. So that may have had something to do with the targets, but um, he had 15 rushing attempts, though. So it's not like they were completely limiting him and they could have given him a target, like you said, if they wanted. So that's concerning, but a good sign for the pass catchers in L.A., um, like you said, Jared Cook. So I think that's a great call, especially against a terrible defense in Dallas. Uh, moving on to our sits of the week, though, my QB sit of the week, Kirk Cousins versus Arizona. Now, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about starts of the week that I think that there is a ton of good QB matchups this week. 
I just think this is one of the more risky ones if you're going to take it. I'm not saying Kirk is going to be the worst quarterback ever, but I think he's a poor matchup or a poor choice this week. I definitely think there are better players out there on your waiver wire. Um, but Arizona's D-line could easily get to him like they like they did against Tennessee. Um, Minnesota doesn't have the best O-line. Um, not like they have the worst, I don't think, but um, they aren't world beaters by any means. And there's a good chance that Arizona's riding high and on from that last game and is able to disrupt that D-line just like they did to Tennessee. So uh, I am a little bit concerned. I think that uh, Minnesota will likely try to dominate the game on the ground with Dalvin Cook. And because of that, I am very low on Kirk Cousins this week, and I think you should sit him. Gabby, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. The D-line is going to be a mess for the Minnesota offensive line. It's pretty poor. And they looked good last week versus Tennessee, an offense that we thought was going to be very potent. So I think Kirk Cousins is definitely a good sit there. But for me, I think my sit, I think this is more of a temper expectations. Um, But if you have a quarterback Again, like I said last week with Aaron Rodgers, if you have a quarterback on your bench with this guy, I have a couple in all my leagues that owners have Lamar Jackson, they also have another quarterback. So I think this is a matchup that you have to sit him. Um, But yeah, if I didn't say it, my sit of the week is Lamar Jackson versus Kansas City. Um, I think they're going to have to pass the ball a lot. I think this might be a shootout. Baltimore has not been able to be competitive versus Kansas City. And I had them earlier out in the year when I was doing my schedule, my games. I had them beating them in week two, but that was with a full offense. J.K. Dobbins looking. J.K. Dobbins was a big part of the offense in my brain when I had the Ravens going as far as as I did. I was a big Ravens proponent at the beginning of the year. But that was because of the evolution of Lamar's passing game and J.K. Dobbins going from year one to year two, be- becoming a 1,200-yard back. But now with the injury of J.K. Dobbins and the apparent inability of Lamar to get marg- uh, marginally better in the passing game, um, I think that he's going to have to pass the ball a lot. And I, I think when Lamar has to pass the ball, it's not good for fantasy. When he's allowed to run the ball around, um, be, uh, be a runner, limit the turnovers, control the clock. That's when he's good in fantasy. But when he has to pass a lot and he's down, it's not good. That's when he turns the ball over, has interceptions like we saw um, on Monday. So he's definitely a guy that I would temper expectations for. But on a side note, he I think he's going to have a bad game and it's going to be two games in a row that he got under 20 fantasy points. Uh, coming with 18 in week one. So I think this is going to be a good time that you can buy buy low for him um, if he comes available after this a week performance. I think that's a really interesting uh, choice there for your sit or your temper expectations, at least. Uh, I, I have to disagree with you. I think Lamar is going to have an awesome game this week. I don't think that highly of the Kansas City defense, and I think it's going to be a shootout, and I think he is going to score. Um, he really did not impressed this last week after um, it being a shootout this last week, but he made a lot of mistakes. I do not think that's going to happen again. Uh, I do believe that Lamar Jackson has improved in the passing game. and I think he's only going to continue and I expect him to make a jump this year. I'm a big, big Lamar Jackson fan, especially against Kansas city this week. I think he's one of the better play options this week, actually. Um, 
And I'm 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 saying I'll go on Lamar Jackson if it's one me. thing. To, one thing to consider though also with Lamar is that the Raiders were able to get pressure with him a lot without uh, blitzing. Um, Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe were wrecking hell for him. He was running around for his life. And not to say that there wouldn't be a quarterback in NFL history I wouldn't want running for the life other than Lamar, but it's still not a good thing. And no, that is because they lost uh, some offensive linemen this year, one in particular, Orlando Brown. Uh, that guy was a really good offensive lineman, very important. Arguably their best, if not second best offensive lineman. And do you know where he went now, Sam? Oh, he went to Raiders? Kansas City. Oh, he's, no, he's in Kansas City now. He's um with Patrick Mahomes and company. He's actually uh, going to play his old team. So uh, I I think that's going to be a problem for Lamar. And I think that's something you're going to have to watch out for for the rest of the year. The offensive line is just not as good as it used to be. And that, I think that's an underrated part of Baltimore's offense. Um, the ability to just bully people on the defensive line and get those running lanes open for Lamar and Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins. They're not just not going to be as open as they were. Tyson Williams did look nice, but the pass protection is just not going to be as good as it was last year. You, you can't lose a talent like Orlando Brown and think that it's going to be as good. That's just not realistic. I do, I do agree that their O-line is, um, is worse than last year, but like you said, if there's any quarterback that you want back there running for his life, it's Lamar Jackson. And I do think that one of the most... Um, underrated aspects of early season football in the NFL is just the lack of time for offensive lines to gel. I think that a lot of people that work with offensive linemen in the NFL mention that there isn't enough time for an offensive line to really truly gel before the season really gets underway. So I think that the worst week for offensive lines is going to be week one. Um, not that there's going to be a huge improvement to against in one week, but I think that there's a chance that there is. And I don't think that necessarily Kansas City's a better pass rush uh, has a better pass rush than Denver. I think Max Crosby and uh, uh, Frank Clark are probably fairly similar players. Um, there are some other studs on Kansas City, but uh, Chris Jones. Yeah, Chris Jones is the name who is escaping my mind at the moment. So thank you for that. But yeah, there are some better, there are some other studs, but they, I'm not blown away by Kansas City's rush um, by any means. Um, so I'm not, I don't think they're going to necessarily dominate the Baltimore front line or uh, dominate Baltimore up front, but we'll definitely see. I'm predicting a big game for, for Lamar. Gabby's not tune in next week and find out <laughs> <laughs> anyways, moving on to our running back sits of the week. And again, another, or probably our third, uh, just temper expectations in a row, to be honest, but, um, Kareem Hunt. Now, I think he might go out there and get you eight to 10 points still um, and be a guy that's solid, but I think he's going to be a low-end flex play at best. Kareem Hunt against bad teams, his snap percentage goes significantly down and less passes are thrown by uh, the Browns, which significantly lowers his fantasy upside. Um, he gets involved in the running game, but Nick Chubb is going to get all that goal line work. Um, and unless Kareem Hunt gets lucky and catches a touchdown, because I mean, we all know Cleveland's a run first team. Unless Kareem Hunt gets that catch, that receiving touchdown, he is probably not going to be relevant in this game. And against Houston, that's a matchup that people think is, or I think most people think is probably super favorable, terrible run defense. And I'm sure Kareem Hunt will get lots of lots of attempts, 
Um, but unless he gets in the end zone, he's going to end up getting you eight to 10 points likely. Um, and so I just think that you should really temper expectations. Kareem Hunt didn't show out last year in the games where um, Cleveland dominated. Those were Nick Chubb games. So unless Kareem Hunt got lucky and got a touchdown. So uh, we'll see. I don't think this is the game you want to be starting Kareem Hunt if you can avoid it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, they're definitely going to be running the ball a lot. They'll be up by a lot of points. So And, and he'll get run. Uh, but the thing is, you, you need if you're not going to get in the end zone and you're just going to get carries, you're not going to, you're not going to get lots of catches. You have to get so many, so many yards to be relevant because if you're not getting in the end zone, you can have a hundred yards on the ground, no catches. You can have 10 points and that's not enough for what you're looking for in fantasy. So that's what I'm afraid of for Kareem Hunt this week, but Gabby, who's your running back of the week? Uh, yeah, we talked about earlier in depth. So I'm not going to keep it too long, but it is James Robinson. Um, the news, yeah, Carlos Hyde being more apparent and just the fact that they never trusted him before. Um, I, I'm out on him this week. He's playing, he has a tough matchup versus Denver. That's a very tough front of Wall Miller, Bradley Chubb and company. So, and they're not going to, I don't think they're going to be winning that game. So they're going to be passing a lot. So that's a guy I'm benching in most of my leagues. At least I, unless I have to, and I'm downgrading him to a flex option. Yeah, if you uh, if you're starting James Robinson, you just love pain. So, <laughs> yeah, no, don't be doing that if you can avoid it at all costs. Um, moving on to wide receivers that we are sitting, Robbie Anderson, and this is a guy that I'm really disappointed in uh, last week. Um, a game against a team that is not so good, the Jets. I think I would have liked to see him do a little bit better, especially with how much they were having to throw it. But uh, last year, Robbie Anderson had no games with less than five targets. And this is when Christian McCaffrey was out. Uh, Christian McCaffrey only played one full game and part of two others. But uh, last year, he only got he had no games. Robbie Anderson, that is, with less than five targets. He kind of filled that Christian McCaffrey pass catcher safety role. Um, and which is a really great role to have for Robbie Anderson because he also has that ability to go for a bomb. But with Carol or with Christian McCaffrey back, it seems to be that Robbie Anderson has lost that role. He didn't get anywhere near the targets he usually gets. He only got three targets, only one reception. Now it's a 57 yard reception for a touchdown. Got you 12 fantasy points, but he only got one catch. So it seems like he may have potentially lost that role and he's going into a game against new Orleans, who has a, one of the best defenses it looks like in the NFL. So um, I am not playing Robbie Anderson at all. Um, I'm scared of what he, uh, his role might become, but you know, at the very worst, I think Robbie Anderson is going to remain a guy that you can throw in if you maybe just need a touchdown. So uh, if that's what you're looking for, maybe throw him in, but I don't think this is a matchup you want to be looking for that. And New Orleans is good defense. That's fair. That is tr truly fair. He's definitely the third option now. Um, Terrace Marshall might even become the fourth by the end of the year. So with, with one reception, that would saved his fantasy week. Um, I 
am trying to sell him if I can. If anybody's trying to trade him for almost anything that's a viable player that's even in the realm, I would I would probably do it. I Just agree be- with that. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. No, because there's a chance that he's dropped by week five. I completely agree. I think he has a chance to turn into a Deshaun Jackson type player. Um, whereas he is just, you don't know when he's going to be good, um, but he has the chance to win you weeks. But yeah, I, I generally with a guy that you believed in early season um, that doesn't perform in week one, I generally am really, um, as you may have noticed throughout this podcast, I'm generally on, hard on the hold line i really think you should hold those players if you believed in them i don't think you should overreact to one week i don't think you should tilt too hard but robbie anderson is a guy that i agree with i think you should definitely be selling him because i i'm really scared i don't think that that target uh volume is going to continue and i think there's a clear reason a clear line you can draw to just the fact that christian mccaffrey's back so gabby who is your sit of the week at wide receiver Mm. this one we talked about a little bit as well uh, but this one was Terry McLaurin versus the Giants. Uh, he's going to get shadowed by James Bradbury, one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, so that's a matchup that's going to be worry, worrisome. Uh, also, lackluster quarterback play, to say the least, with Taylor Heineke. He did ball out in the playoff game. And he actually did uh, target uh, Terry McLaurin pretty frequently. But I think that this this go around that, New York is going to make a concerted effort to try to take Terry McLaurin out of the game because Curtis Samuel is out. So outside of that, it's going to be just a perfect, a perfect game for the Giants to lock down Terry McLaurin. I think, I think he's going to get 11, 12 points. Um, not really any upside there. You still have to play him because I de- highly doubt there's a better option on your bench unless you play maybe an eight-man or a ten-man and you have, like, a guy like T. Higgins or – I don't – yeah, if you had, like, a guy like T. Higgins or any of the – maybe not Tyler Boyd, though, uh, I would start over him. But, yeah, Terry McLaurin's tough this, this uh, week in particular, but also all season long. Yeah, he's – He's got a really tough matchup, but he's going to, I see him kind of ending up being like almost like a, like almost like a Tampa Bay wide receiver, you know, in the sense that they are all so talented, but you don't know who it's going to be or which weeks they might show up and not for Terry McLaurin. It's not going to be that there's a, like too many other good options. It's just going to be him being the only option and everybody knowing it and is Tyler, Taylor Heineke keep calling him Tyler. Uh, is Taylor Heineke going to be good enough to actually get him the ball consistently? Um, So, yeah, if I could find another option, I so would be very happy to, but it's so hard to do that to Terry McLaurin, who is, who is a stud and could be a wide receiver one in on any given week. But yeah, I think this is a strong week to sit him Um, division matchup going to be tougher than you might, than people usually expect Thursday night, not necessarily always the, goes doesn't usually go the way people think either um and then like i mentioned earlier new york better defense than people give them credit for so um moving on to tight end sits of the week my tight end sit of the week a guy that i have been super low on compared to everybody else um kyle pitts versus tampa bay 
Kyle Pitts did not impress me in his debut. And I didn't think he was bad. And I don't think he has any less of the potential that people think he has. I think he's going to be a great tight end someday, but he didn't impress me on his four catches for only 31 yards. Now. Yeah. Only one of them was like for a one yard first down they really needed. And he got that. That was good. Um, but, and he did get, you know, did tie uh, Calvin Ridley for the most targets on the team. He had eight targets, but that was of course in the game, they got absolutely blown out. Um, so he's an intriguing guy to have on your team and it'd be nice to have him, but I am feeling super unconfident with him, especially this week uh, against Tampa Bay, who's a really good defense. Obviously they won the Super Bowl um, in large part due to that defense. So I'm really down on them this week. Um, and, and Kyle Pitts, I think it's just the kind of guy that you're, he probably will come on later in the year as time goes on, but I don't think you're going to know necessarily what weeks will be Kyle Pitts weeks. And so I'm, I'm really down on Kyle Pitts compared to everybody for to most people in the fantasy world. And uh, especially this week, I would be p- playing a lot of people over him and I definitely don't have him as a top 10 tight end this week. I'm playing him. The town is there. Uh, like you said, he led the league. He led the team in targets and he has, yeah, the talent is just there. You have to start him this week. I think in my eyes, you drafted him that high and I don't think there's a tight end outside of maybe Dallas Gardner and Jared Cook. You could start those two, but if those guys aren't on your waiver wire, um, I wouldn't start guys like these two tight ends that I'm about to say are my start uh, sits of the week. John Smith and Hunter Henry um, playing the Jets. I just I, I think this is going to be a game that they're going to blow them out and they're going to run the ball. Uh Mac Jones has been thinking and dunking it, but I just don't think it's going to be – they're not a highly explosive offense, and I think there are better options out there, frankly. So um, I think they are they have low ceilings, both of them. They kind of cut into each other's potential to really have a breakout week for you, and it's hard to tell which one is going to be better. If I had to lean one way, I would lean Janu, but um, that's not by a lot. So – I. I think there are better options out there. So I would just, I would sit both these guys this week and look other places for a tight end. I I completely agree. I think, uh, you, I think it'd be really hard to tell who in new England is going to get the, the main bulk of the targets and maybe touchdowns to tight end each week. Um, and I think this week especially is a matchup you don't want to touch. I don't think I, I see this being a big time running game for the Patriots and I don't see them doing a whole lot of passing I'm not hoping for a touchdown from a from a New England tight end this week. Might happen, but I don't think you'll be able to predict who it is, and I'm just not super confident. Um, I know I am going back a little bit, but I did want to touch on one other thing about Kyle Pitts, and is is that if you drafted him, you did draft him early, and you do need to start him because you did draft him that early, and you did mess up by drafting him that early, and I'm telling you that right now. So we'll see at the end of the year if that's true or not, but I do believe that you messed up if you drafted Kyle Pitts. Cause if you did, you drafted him early. And I don't think, I don't think he's going to be a tight end worthy of his draft value. So we'll see at the end of the year, but yeah, I'm, I'm out on Kyle Pitts. I'm making that statement. So Gabby, was there anything you wanted to add about uh, any of the starts or sits at all before we move on to our final segment? No, I think you covered it pretty well there. Sam. Awesome. Uh, So my last segment and maybe my favorite, the defensive streamers this week, 
I just wanted to give you my top defensive streamers that you might be able to find on your waiver wire this week, starting with number one, the Cleveland Browns against Houston. Houston sucks. Cleveland's good. Play Cleveland if you can. Um, New England versus New York Jets. Uh, same answer as I gave before. New England is great. New York sucks. Play New England. And that is at least uh, New, England, New England's not great, but they have a great defense and a good offense. And I think they're going to dominate the Jets. Uh, Denver versus Jacksonville. Uh, great defense in Denver. Not great defense in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence should be good for a pick or two. Um, I would be starting whoever Jacksonville is playing for a while. Um, I think if you look at it, probably the two worst teams in the NFL on offense, at least right now, are probably Houston and Jacksonville. Um, And I think that you're going to want to be starting people against them all the time. Um, Them and the Giants, because their quarterbacks are not great. Um, But the thing that's different about Houston and and compared to Jacksonville and the, the Giants is that Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Daniel Jones are super turnover prone. Great for taking um, if you're going against them on defense. So uh, you want to find who they're playing for fantasy. There are always good options. Um, so Denver, their defense versus Jacksonville. And the last one, I'm actually going to the opposite of Daniel Jones. I'm taking his Giants defense versus Washington. Uh, Taylor Heineke, I'm not excited about. I'm a little, I'd be nervous if I was a Washington fan. Um, and I'm hoping for some turnovers. And uh, I've mentioned it a couple times on this show already that I think the Giants have a good defense. But, yeah, and uh, that's all the streamers that I wanted to mention this week. Um, I wanted to thank everybody for joining us again. Um, check us out at our Twitter. I mentioned it earlier. It's at SG Fantasy Show. Uh, we'll hope to have some good stuff on there. Hopefully build our following, build the community. Uh, so thank you again for having us on. Gabby, do you want to add anything before we go? No, I just want to thank everybody for joining us uh, once again for another episode here on the Sam and Gabby Fantasy Show. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the SMG uh, Fantasy Show on uh, Twitter, like I said, and hopefully we'll be able to connect with you guys uh, here shortly. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Have a good night. Uh, yeah, good luck in your fantasy matchups. See you guys next week. <laughs>